You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Jonah. Now, the book of Jonah is one of the 12 minor prophets found in the Old Testament. It's, uh, the minor prophets are shorter. They, a lot of times, these prophets are addressing one issue, or there's one situation that um, they talk about, versus something like Isaiah, which has three different authors and all kinds of time and uh, passes in it. This is a one kind of situation. So the book of Jonah itself is only 48 verses. It takes up two and a half pages in the Bible. It's short. And um, Jonah himself is a reluctant prophet. He doesn't really want to do what calls, God calls him to do necessarily because he has trouble because he wants to serve God, but he also wants to serve the world. And so um, today, this, uh, the book of Jonah begins with the word of the Lord coming to Jonah and telling him to go to the great town of Nineveh and to tell them or to cry out to them against their wickedness. Well, Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria, which is an enemy of Israel. God calls it a great city, which means that it's strong, it's big, it's powerful, and it has much status. Well, Jonah has no desire to go to Nineveh, and so he runs. He's going to run away from God. He decides he's going to go to Tarshish, and subvert God's commands. And so he goes down to the port city of Joppa, and he pays, and he gets on a boat, and he is sure that he has fled from God, except that, of course, God knows what he's doing and where he's gone, and God sends a big storm uh, to hit that boat. Well, the mariners are scared. They're frightened. They're Throwing, they throw all of their cargo out to sea to lighten the load, and um, Jonah just is asleep down in the hold. He's just asleep through it all. And they go up to him and they say, why are you asleep? How can you be sleeping right now? Get up, call on your God. Maybe your God will spare us. Reminds us a little bit about Jesus on the boat, right? He sleeps through that storm. Well, After they got Jonah up, all the sailors cast lots to decide whose fault it was that there was this storm, and of course, the lot fell to Jonah. And so they start to ask him all kinds of questions. What is your occupation? Why is this calamity upon you? Where are you from? He explains he's a Hebrew and that he worships God in heaven. And then the men say, what have you done? They knew that Jonah was fleeing from God, and so they ask him what they should do, and he says, well, you should probably just throw me overboard. Well, they don't do that right away. They um, try to keep sailing. They cry out to God, and nothing happens. The water, the storm, it just gets worse. And so finally, in fact, they pick up Jonah, and they throw him into the water, and immediately the storm ceases. The men begin to, they have all kinds of respect for God, and they make vows for God, and God sends a big fish to swallow up Jonah, and he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. 
Hear now these words from Jonah chapter 2. Jonah is now in the belly of the whale. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look at you again upon, and look upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O oh Lord, my God, as my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto the dry land. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't get to say vomited that often. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. I think it's appropriate, too, as a middle school youth coordinator person that vomit is in the scripture that I would bring to you today. <laughs> Please pray with me. May the word of my mouth and the meditations of all of our thoughts, O Lord, be pleasing in your sight, a rock and our redeemer. Amen. So call me a church nerd if you want to, but getting a chance to hear Pastor Amy and Pastor Megan's call and in the next few weeks, uh, Jeremy and Reverend Christie's call is a lot of fun for me. <laughs> I love it. Now, those of you who don't know what I am talking about when I refer to call story, a call story is simply your experience of acknowledging what God is calling you to do in this lifetime in God's name. That can be a certain profession, like ministry, teaching, caregiving, being a Studio 678 uh, leader, study, yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> it can mean being a leader of a support group or as simple as being a listening ear to someone who needs to be heard. It can develop and change over time. It can be that quiet, soft voice that manifests slowly over time, as Pastor Amy described her call. Or a Moses burning bush moment, as Pastor Megan described last week. Something that you have been unaware of but suddenly, it's right before your eyes, and you can't look away. I have to admit that uh, when I heard Pastor Megan describe her call story as a burning bush, my first thought was, 
Oh, my, my story would be entitled the, uh, A Giant Leap Over a Steep Cliff. Ugh. See, when I read the book of Jonah, I feel like I have found my Bible story doppelganger. Jonah's story looks and feels like my story. Jonah was called by God to leave a familiar home and a safe place and go to Nineveh, enemy territory. God was calling me to move past my current career path and family circumstances that felt familiar and safe, even though they were becoming unhealthy. Neither Jonah or I knew what to expect, but what we did have in common is we knew that what God was calling us to do would be hard and it would be terrifying. In Jonah's life, that looked like being thrown off a boat and swallowed up by a whale. In my own life, it was like a giant leap over a steep cliff into an unknown future. So my professional ministry came late in life. My personal relationship with God, however, began as soon as I was able to do the motions and say the words, I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> my connection with God through prayer, through prayer blossomed. I was that four-year-old in the back seat of our car that as my parents and brother and I drove through a snowstorm on our way back from Ohio and visiting our grandparents, I was fervently praying back there. <laughs> See, my parents and my grandparents, they were all Methodists. My parents, they uh, grew up in Ohio and moved to Indiana for my dad's work. That is where I was born. Then our family moved from Indiana to Michigan when I was three years old, and my family joined Clarkston United Methodist Church. And you can see the pictures. There I was, 1975. I would have been five. <laughs> and uh, the next picture shows me uh, that was my entry into the graduation booklet in 1988 when I graduated, and you can see how I thought my life would come out. I, you know, I don't know if it was too accurate, but it was there. <laughs> so in my college years, I began the process of exploring different churches with friends. Now, I have to admit that our search was more directed at finding churches in the area that served dinner because dorms don't serve Sunday night dinners. <laughs> so that's what we did. These visits were reinvigorating my relationship with God. I had, begin, uh, I had begun to long for the church services of my childhood. So one winter morning, I decided that I was going to make the trek across the MSU campus from Holmes Hall to way over by Brody, which is the exact opposite, <laughs> on a very cold winter day. And that is where the 
the United Methodist Church of East Lansing is located. So I went out and I took my truck across the campus. And when I arrived, an older couple looked up and saw me and uh, the woman came up to me and she said, I saw you walking on the road. And I said to my husband, that girl is coming here. And here you are. <laughs> I knew it was at that point that I was being called back to be a part of the United Methodist Church. I earned a bachelor's degree of science in psychology from MSU, and my first professional job was as an in-home child and family worker at Orchards Children's Services. Basically, I monitored and worked with families of children that had been removed from their parents and were living back with their parents or with relatives, and I monitored their placement. It was when I was 25 years old, however, when I decided to return to church full-time. I became an official member of this church in 1995, and I have never left since. My first volunteer job at the church was in the nursery, and I continued that position for about 14 years, long past when my own two daughters moved up to Sunday school. So the transition, however, from my move from volunteer to paid staff in the church came after some significant life changes. I was dealing with a troubled marriage to a spouse recovering from addiction. The oral surgery office where I had been working for 14 years following the birth of my first daughter was going through paid, uh, rapid managerial changes and staff turnover. But despite the changing environment that was making my current reality miserable, I was desperately trying to do everything I could to make it work. Throughout these struggles, I continued to be extremely active in the church, and I volunteered a great deal in leadership roles in the children's program. And it was in these roles that I felt a sense of purpose, and meaning. Like Jonah's story, this felt very much like my time in the whale's belly. It was a period in my life when I was beginning in my codependency recovery and working to come to terms with my current reality that I reluctantly acknowledged God's call. The call for me to let go of what I was trying desperately to control and let God direct my path. Let go, let God became my mantra. So God conveyed his call to me through the people around me. First, I made the decision to find a new job. I began looking at other oral surgery offices because that's what I had known for 14 years. That week, the current youth director at this church 
sent out a notice to the youth that he was stepping down. And my daughter came in and she showed me the message on her phone one Sunday morning. And I thought, oh, darn, I wonder what they're going to do. That's really too bad. Then I went to church that Sunday, and Pastor Rick was preaching on the story, Jonah. (laughs) It was as if, and I know you have felt this, it was as if they were talking directly to me. (laughs) So... After that, I, I walked out of the church. I, of course, was crying, and I ran into my friend and children's director at the church at the time. And uh, she, of course, asked, what's wrong? And I said, well, I, I made the decision to leave my current job. And she said, oh, you should apply for the, the youth director position. And I said, I'm too old. I'm 43 years old. And she said, we're not old, we're fun. <laughs> and so there you go. So later that week, Pastor Amy, who was an associate pastor at that time, would reach out to Pastor Rick about talking uh, to me about the position. So, and you'll like this, parents. I went to the church that Wednesday to turn in my daughter's registration for the fuel mission trip late. and the staff was in the office having a little huddle and pastor rick points at me and he says i need to talk to you (laughs) it's like (laughs) and so that began the month-long interview and discerning process that would land me in my first position as children and middle school youth coordinator That was 10 years ago, August 1st. (laughs) So after approximately one year, I felt the call to go further. I traveled to a women's retreat with Pastor Amy, and I shared my thoughts with her. And I also spoke to Reverend Christine Wyatt, a deacon, and the current uh, adult education ministry leader in our church at the time. And I chose to follow the path of ordination as a deacon. Now, some of you are saying, what the heck is a deacon? (laughs) I understand. That's a common question. So a deacon in the United Methodist Church is ordained to word, service, compassion, and justice. And their focus is to connect the world to the church and the church to the world. Their main Uh, Ministry avenues are more in specialized areas, inside and outside the church walls. Inside the church, they may lead such programs as children and youth, congregational care, music, and or adult education. So I obtained my certification in youth ministry Then I went on to earn my degree in deacon studies, both from Garrett Evangelical Seminary in Chicago. I began the educational and candidacy requirements in 2015. I graduated from Garrett in 2021, 
and I will be eligible for full ordination. I am a provisional deacon at this moment, but full ordination in 2025. It is a lifetime journey. With my passion for social work, the medical field, and working with children and youth in many ways over many years, God's call to the order of deacon felt right. It felt like God had been working and preparing me for this call my entire life. So people would ask, how would you know it feels right? How do you know this? And I can say for me, it was that things started falling into place. My daughters and I were embraced into a nurturing work and church family environment that supported us through the end of my first marriage and celebrated with me a few years later when I met my husband, Scott. All the while, this congregation continues to support and encourage me through the long journey to ordination as a deacon. There have been many people encouraging me, loving me, teaching me along the way, even when I make mistakes, and even when I still have a lot of work left to do. So what have I learned as I follow my call? That it is always a work in progress. God does not ever say, hey, you're done, good job, take it off, go retire. <laughs> the journey has many turns and changes. You can try to run like I did and like Jonah did, but God is patient and he is persistent. God also knows a few whales who like to swallow people up for a while. <laughs> So I ask you, I implore you, when you hear God calling you to do what you think is impossible or uncomfortable, take a flying leap and trust that God is there to catch you. I did, and it was the scariest, most wonderful thing I ever did in my life. Thanks be to God, and thanks be to this church. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.